Hi, and welcome back to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, Roll for Damage. No tagline this week, I'm tired. <sighs> Make up your own. Um, so on Friday, the Shields of Twilight closed out their, their time in this weird, long, cult maze dungeon thing with one final battle, um, which they fought along one very unexpected ally. It's Butcher. I'm talking about Butcher, the great boogeyman from Dob the late Dobby's backstory, um, who seems fine. No, he actually kind of seems fine. Um, but Butcher popping up like a bad chaotic neutral, maybe? Penny wasn't the only surprise and wasn't the only blast from the past that we had this session, um, as also Baltaim's sister showed up, who was apparently running around and involved in all of this and we'll probably find out what all this means next episode but for right now she's here and she seems cool um yeah so whatever all this ends up being uh, our hero's journey seems to be drawing to a close at least in this part of the world um but i do think there's probably time for one more twist before we put a little bow on this and uh we can only speculate what that twist might be and we can only speculate live on stream right now <laughs> on this show specifically it's the only only place we can speculate that's why you need to tune in every week um, anyway, as always, stick around after the stream for links, charities, resources, cool stuff. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. I've got two wonderful guests with me today. We have got the absolutely scintillating Khalil, who plays Baltaim, um, who had a big episode. Uh, and then we've got the effervescent Chad. Who plays... I was hoping I was going to get a good adjective. Yeah, I, yeah, I, like I, had, to, I had to like scramble for one. I was like, oh God, what's another like big adjective? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm hard to describe. The... Um, Sasquatch like Chad. Yeah. Sasquatch like uh Bigfoot esque. Bigfoot esque. Sasquatch mm -hmm. Bigfootish. Uh, Bigfootish. Okay. Big I wanted to make it sound <laughs> fancy and like French. Please. Go right anyway. ahead. Anyway. 
anyway guys um some interesting and cool stuff happened there was a bit of a family reunion for Balthame, and there would have been one for Dobby too if he weren't dead um <laughs> So what's the damage? Oh, too soon. I, I, yield, I yield my time to Khalil because he has more questions to answer right now as far as how his character is feeling. So uh, I don't I don't recall anything happening Friday, guys. Truth, um, sick him. <laughs> yeah, very quiet episode. Yeah, very quiet, <laughs> low-key episode. Yeah, we're really we're really kind of having to struggle for stuff to awesome, talk about. Awesome, probably here right now. Baltimore uh, <laughs> yeah, just like, sat on a porch drinking sweet tea out of a mason jar like, lovely evening tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of the whole episode. Just, you know, a very sedate tea party in that yeah. dungeon mm-hmm. with some skeletons, yeah. you know. <laughs> if you like really sedate drink, tea party but... action, watch us on Fridays. <laughs> watch us on Fridays. It's like no other D&D you've seen before. This is accurate. Yeah, roll to add the correct amount of sugar. <laughs> it's harder right. than you think. Natural one. Oh, you basically made a slurry. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> You take psychic damage. You um, do. <laughs> anyway, so a lot of stuff to dig into this episode. Um, but before we start, before we get our little shovels and start um, scooping that shit, I do have one question about what happened in a previous episode because I was unable to get Chad on. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about um, Quinn's blowout with Lex because I thought that was an interesting scene. Um, mm-hmm. We sort of got Serenity's perspective on that last episode or the episode before last, but I just wanted you to talk about it. It seemed like it was building for a bit. A little bit, yeah, because with a lot of what Quinn has seen, it's like, and this is just, you know, a perspective mm-hmm. thing for him because a lot of times whenever he and he or the group end up talking to them, it happens right after something has gone completely to shit and they already feel stupid enough. And then you have these people showing up, you're like, wow, you're all morons. And sort of pouring lemon juice on the wound a little bit, just pointing out like, yes, we know we failed. We don't need you to remind us. Oh, you're reminding us anyway. That's great. And then whenever we, I mean, yeah, the fight was kind of, fucked up but we tried and no one actually died or even came as close as we have come before to actually dying so you know Mm -hmm. we did okay progress was made but then to be told that we were basically like the albatross around the neck that was going to get this person killed was just sort of like no i i don't want i don't want any more of this so he just was like you know fuck this and fuck you and then just Mm -hmm. stormed on back because he had had enough just overall of being reminded the various ways in which they suck because he already knows the various ways in which they suck. He's already there every day. (laughs) He knows their shortcomings. He's part of their shortcomings. Interesting. Good pull of the albatross too, by the way. Hmm. Rhyme of the ancient mariner for anyone who's wondering. I got a BA in English. I use it for literally nothing. English major buddies. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so if Quinn's, Quinn's been feeling this way for a while then? Uh, yeah, it's just sort of like he, like you said, it's been building because mm-hmm. it seems like every time 
they run into one of them and they've done something wrong, the first thing that happens is they remind them how they've done something wrong or just that's the way a lot of it comes off. And again, it's a perspective thing because in character, like that's what he's thinking. As a player, I understand they have done quite a bit to help. I understand that they're reacting to the fact that we have done a lot of stupid shit, not in the worst way, but it's essentially... I, the best thing I can equate it to on a personal perspective is talking to my own mother because I will do a thing, a stupid mm-hmm. thing ages ago. She will catalog this. She has a catalog of every dumb thing I've ever done. And then I will mention, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And then all of a sudden, a litany of my failures begins to pour forth from this woman. Like, oh, thank you for reminding me of the stuff that I already fucking knew that I did. That's really helpful of you. And so it's just sort of like that same sort of thing Mm -hmm. with like, yeah, it's the best way I can explain it is just he just has that sort of interaction with them. Like he knows that they failed. He knows that they sucked at the occasional thing and doesn't need someone else to tell him so. Mm-hmm. I think it's becoming a bit of a knee-jerk reaction too, because kind of like, as you mentioned, like you can get into patterns with people. You can get very mm-hmm. easily into negative um, communication patterns. Yes. As it were. Yes, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um yeah, and Quinn's quite an emotional character too, so it makes sense, kind of. It makes yeah. actually, it makes sense for his character that he would have had this thing building and blown up eventually. Although I did find it interesting that only a couple episodes after you had all been very down on Campion for being rude to Lex, Quinn was extremely rude to Lex. Yes, this is true. <laughs> but in in my defense, when Quinn was extremely rude to Lex, it was in the middle of a heated situation and he just completely blew out right there in the moment. When Campion was rude to Lex, it was because Campion is a weird sociopath. I don't think Campion was actually even that rude. He was just weird at Lex. Yeah. And it's the kind of weirdness that can be taken as rude. It's like someone who either does not understand basic social interaction or cannot understand basic social interaction. And if you do not know that about this person, their behavior comes off as incredibly rude because you don't understand there's something else there that's preventing them from catching on to the minutia of how to socialize. And that's basically what Campion was, is the person who is very, very terrible at talking to people being really weird in Lex's direction and having his weird conspiracy theories just sort of, you know, kick up dust at her. And then she's like, what's your problem? He's like, I don't trust anything or anyone because science and none of it made any sense. I think he's funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just saying like that's that's a that's the Jenny closest the I can get character. to summing it up. Jay is the best character. Jay is a DD character. Yeah. I, I, feel, is the best I feel like he doesn't really exist. He's just some sort of weird <laughs> amalgamation of DD characters that has somehow crossed the uncanny valley and gained full sentience and agency. 
and what is a personality if not an amalgamation of all your D and D characters? I mean, you know what? If you boil them all of them down, that just basically what happens, yeah. yeah. Mary Sue's. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, literally. Um, anyway, so wrong. to move on to uh, some stuff that happened this episode, you did kind of come to the end of this um, nice little dungeon crawl you've been having. Are you guys relieved to make it all the way through? Yes. Very much. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you got done and crawl. I don't feel like it. It didn't. This one didn't like drag on. So that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I agree. It was a good. It was a good solid length. Like not too long. Not too long. Not too short. It just long enough that we're able to get into some shit and question whether mm-hmm. or not we're going to survive, and then go into the big boss fight and squeak question one out. If you're gonna survive, yeah. Yeah. So that. Yeah. that yeah, I, I feel like this is like, this is the good link for the archetypal dungeon mm-hmm. crawl, you know? It's got just enough to not feel like you're being buried alive in problems. Yeah, I thought it went along as, as like a pretty good clip. It, it did, yeah. Yeah, the pacing was solid. Um, oh, Khalil, no! He's frozen, or he's just like chilling really hard. You know, he's frozen. Oh. Uh, Khalil, oh, he's gone. That's fine. Yeah. I suppose I have to talk a lot now until he gets back. Yeah, your spotlight. It's not like I can you. possibly talk constantly for the next several minutes. My God. Yeah. Do you want to share your opinions on every topic? No. Okay. Okay. Hi, Serenity's here. She's always here. Ah, special guest. Um. Awesome. So I guess I'll just ask while you're here until we get until we hopefully get Khalil back soon. Mm. Um. So there was this very good cliffhanger right before the boss fight where you guys had all like barged into the room with these principal conspirators and you were hearing their conversation. They're all looking at you like, huh, what are you doing here? That's weird. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you think was going to happen like at the end of the episode before last? I had... I had no idea. I knew it would not be great, like as far as the amount of danger being directed at us. Mm-hmm. But I have learned to stop trying to guess at what might happen because I, I'd rather use the mental real estate on calculating ways I can try and survive a scenario as opposed to, ooh, I wonder what this is going to be. Doesn't matter. Whatever you think it is, it won't be. You will be incorrect. It will be something else. It will be not the thing you thought. And then you'll be stupid for thinking that thing you thought. No, I mean, it could be anything. There are no stupid ideas. No stupid ideas in D&D. It's all fine. Yeah. Oh, I thought you guys were going to like maybe talk a little bit. I thought maybe Oriana would try to interrogate them because she likes doing that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But but you had a cool little fight instead. Um, and like, let's talk about that um, that last monster fight, kind of like the boss fight of this dungeon, which mm-hmm. found you uh, fighting alongside one unexpected ally at least. Yeah, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. That is something I did not expect to have happen in any possible timeline. <laughs> have the guy that we have been, because Butcher's been painted as this like, Kaiser Soze boogeyman for the entire of the campaign. And in retrospect, it's because of the way Jay played Dobby as a mildly insane 
person with a criminal background. And then all of a sudden we meet this guy and then all we had to do is name drop Dobby and he's like, oh, you're friends of his. Here, allow me to help you kill these things and make sure you don't die. Mm -hmm. And then we get talking like, yeah, Dobby was my son. The hell? Like just the, the hits the kept on coming over, yeah. and coming and coming. Well, you know, sometimes you have complicated relationships with your parents. I mean, this again, is it's true. all a matter of perspective, right? Like mm -hmm. that was Dobby's yes. perspective yeah. was not wrong. Like he experienced all those things validly and he mm -hmm. wasn't given the information by Butcher at the time for whatever reasons Butcher had, um, uh, which obviously wasn't delved into because this group isn't Dobby and didn't really mm -hmm. dig dig deep with him. But like, but I I don't think like, Dobby was wrong in his perspective, nor was like the information that he gave to the group wrong. That was mm. what he believed. That was what he experienced. He was almost killed by this man and spent many, many years trying to find him and get exact mm -hmm. his revenge on him. So, you know. Yeah. And having that players. be the only part that we heard and then for him to just all of a sudden be there putting on a, uh, putting on a fucking Liam Neeson in Taken Clinic was amazing. <laughs> Dude loves his kids. Yeah. Of, of which he apparently has a lot. Yeah, at least <laughs> at least two that we know of, and we have I no know. idea how many more people we he has. We find out Butcher has like 20 kids and he's like parenting <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Just a stable back home full of children. There's an orphanage somewhere and <laughs> Or actually, no, he just has a really big foster home, you know, like mm -hmm. he's foster parent to a ton of kids. And... You know what? You know what? I'm pretty sure this is a real thing. It might be a thing that I just read on the internet, but I read somewhere that the Yakuza used to run um, foster homes or orphanages as mm -hmm. money laundering, but it was also an orphanage. So, I mean, it makes sense. I've heard of things of, you know, hiding crime with children because you don't look where the kids are. I wonder if the mafia did something similar as well. Like I wouldn't, sure I wouldn't put it past. I wouldn't, did. yeah, I wouldn't put it past them if they did. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah. it's a perfect front, right? Yeah. Perfect front. Yeah. Who's gonna question these cute little kids? Yeah. Like, do you hate children? Why are you questioning us? I know. Again, right? they're also perfect like mules to do odd jobs for you that mm -hmm. are likely aren't gonna be caught. You know, give yeah, them a few coins and they'll do whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can raise the next little generation of criminals. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Um, adopt kids. They need homes. Anyways. And can be used for crimes. <laughs> and can be used for crimes. We do not endorse that. Um, we just did is the problem. We, maybe. <laughs> 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 okay. If, remember, if you use children for crimes, we here at Roll for Damage are not to be held liable for any there crimes committed by said children in perpetuity. <laughs> yes, it's clearly satire. Don't listen to us. We don't know what we're doing. We are just people saying shit on the internet. Um, anyway, Serenity, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about this like big fight um, with these interesting NPCs since Khalil's not back yet? Yeah, I guess I can. I mean, like the the main fight was always meant to be uh, the like Zelfax was their mm -hmm. their main sort of quarry. Um, he tied up. I mean, 
there were there were these intertwined threads with like Baltheim's backstory and stuff like that. But their main purpose for doing this entire best investigation and finding things was like, okay, Zelfex leads us, you know, to the end where we can potentially get the evidence we need. So I always knew that that was the case. But then obviously I had this, you know, this backstory tie in and this like final moment where I always knew uh, Shaitis was going to be there. Um, they were going to find her. Uh, Butcher was always going to be there. There was that was that has been from the beginning. Um, I knew like Efrain was going to be tied in. They still don't know quite exactly what he's doing, but I was like, I definitely want to make sure there's enough distance between these guys so that someone doesn't try to like thunder step or dimension door to him close mm -hmm. enough that, that they're going to get into a fight with him. Cause I was like, that'll be real bad. Um, and, yeah. and I know a lot of people like want to kind of like do that stuff, which is why I kind of adjudicated he was already walking away at the end. Mm -hmm. And there was the opportunity for someone to make, still make that decision. Like I said, I don't like to railroad, but, but it was kind of like he was walking away and they had their, their own focus mm -hmm. on, on this other stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and so I always knew that Lex and a frame were going to do their thing in the back, which I was rolling for and she was taking damage. Uh, and so was he, um, but, um, but yeah, that was their main quarry. And then I always knew Butcher, he had his relationship with Shy over the months mm -hmm. that they've been together. Um, and, uh, and, but he was going after his daughter. And mm -hmm. so his purpose was, well, I'm not going to let her die. I've been protecting her this entire time. But had they have not used that conversation to try and get his attention, he would have just like dumped her off somewhere where he thought she mm -hmm. would be safe. And then he would have booked it past all of them and oh. continued going on towards um, Efrain and, and Lex to see if he could catch up with them, which as a monk, he's fairly fast. So, mm -hmm. uh, so that was the original, but when he got this information and realized the kind of state that they were in and that they knew Dobby, he, he made the decision to stick around mm -hmm. and actually help them out and see what he could do for them so that was an actual interesting twist and it's what i love about DD. you have a moment mm -hmm. where uh, a character can choose uh, a multitude of directions both on the player character side but also on how they interact with npcs and this ended up working very much in their favor yeah and then also i'll say one other thing just from encounter design standpoint you made sure that there were enough things between us and the big bad wizard in the very, very, very far back of the room to make it so we did not feel like getting back there would do any good because there were so many things already interposed. They're like, oh, we clearly need to deal with the giant bone monsters and that wizard who keeps sniping us, the son of a bitch. And yeah, yeah. Like th there was so much going on up there that going back after him it's like i don't think that whatever would even come up as a thought like but what about no <laughs> well that was the other thing as originally i had thought i would have you see shy and i was like no if i do that someone's gonna try and beeline to her right away already knowing mm. who she is especially ball with his like impulsiveness and i yes. was like i don't want to put i never want to put a character because as a player i mean as the character who loves his sister has been going after his sister he would naturally want to do that right mm. away um and i never want to put a character in a position where it's like well what else uh, what am i going to do like i see her 
leaned over and potentially hurt or unconscious <laughs> and I'm just gonna sit here and be like well wait a moment I gotta kill these bone monsters meanwhile like two skeletons are standing over her yeah, yeah. so I wanted to mm. make sure that she was covered and they couldn't see her until a moment where it actually made sense for her uh, to join and that was the other thing I was also counting rounds until when she would wake up because I always knew that she would wake up at a point but it wasn't until that last moment mm. when she finally got up herself and came also joined the fray but yeah i never want to put a, a character in a position where i'm like that's a really bad position for them to be in and i don't see them making any other choice than like getting right up in the wizard's face to like save his sister you know so yeah encounter design it's always a bunch of moving parts in the background so yeah. many so many um did you do? Oh, Khalil. We'll have to make him come up next week or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah definitely. Yeah, because yeah, apparently he just his, said his whole block lost power. So. Oh no. Yeah, so I don't know if he's coming back. I don't think so. We're pro probably not tonight. Pray for Khalil. It's okay. There's still lots more to come with his sister next session, so I'm sure he'll have mm -hmm. a whole swath more yeah, questions. Yeah, so we'll to have ask more. Him. Oh yeah, it'll time out well. Okay, um, cool. Beans. Oh, can I ask, um, Sereni then? So you had mentioned that for a long time you had like this, um, this part of the the campaign to be the intersection of Dobby and Baltaim's plots. Um, so with Dobby gone, were you able to like repurpose some of the plot and like still show the characters some of the cool things you had planned for this? Um, I didn't have part? to. Oh, you didn't have to? I didn't have to. I always knew how they intersected. And like I said, mm -hmm. the world moves in various ways. And there are certain things that they'll maybe never know because they don't have Dobby there mm -hmm. to ask the, the questions or to press the issues or to have the theories or whatever about things or to, to push to go after certain things. And so they're only going to get, you know, a certain amount of what this was all about um, and, and, you know, what, what they'll actually get out of this, unless they somehow become like best friends with Butcher and like have tea with him. And he tells them his entire, you know, life, life Maybe. story. Yeah. I mean, that's on the table. Um, but, the but this, I really didn't have to change anything because Butcher was already so entwined in this. The, the, the ways with, where it splits off is how Dobby would actually, in, like the thing that would have been interesting would be to see how Dobby would have reacted mm -hmm. in that situation. Um, you know, seeing the person that he's wanted to go after all this time, would he have, as soon as he saw Butcher running across the field, intercepted him and outright stopped him and attacked him and focused mm -hmm. on him? Like that, that was the area where I had kind of like left it open, but all of the getting to that part there were certain things that they didn't do like there were certain things that i think like dobby might have um investigated more on the streets like he was more streetwise so he might have like maybe found a cult member using his wiles in the streets mm -hmm. and like sh shake them like shook them down for more information and maybe got them sooner you know maybe he would have avoided them being captured those kinds of things just because he was a lot more like street smart and, and investigative in in nature but um but the actual like end state of them getting to that place, I knew was that that was so intertwined in their story mm -hmm. already. And Butcher was so ingrained in what was happening with the cult and the strangled vine because of his daughter. And so I was like, well, he, whether Dobby's dead or not, he doesn't have any information on that. He doesn't know. Um, the last time he saw Dobby was in Zerithamar, um, or knew that Dobby was in Zerithamar. Um, and, uh, and assumed he was still alive somewhere. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. Um, okay, so uh, only Chad. <laughs> Do you think only you guys, me? Only you, lone Chad by himself. Yeah. Um, the Chad. Womp womp. Chad. Yeah, there's like a lone spotlight. It's just you on stage. Um, <laughs> you start singing. Oh, what's that song? Mr. Cellophane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Damn good anyway. song. Good pull. <laughs> yeah, good song. We're doing good pulls tonight. Good pulls only classic cultural stuff. I am stalling for time. I'm sorry. It's fine. Um, anyway, so do you guys think that you have found enough? to like buy Oriana's freedom with what you found so far and discovered? I feel like two-part answer. One, mm -hmm. possibly yes, because we found evidence that a conspiracy was actually being hatched and that things were being planted as far as, you know, false evidence against someone in a place where we would have no business knowing there was evidence being planted and no access to said place to involve mm -hmm. ourselves. Therefore, the fact that we would have this information and say, go in there and you will find incriminating stuff that is all false would be enough to sort of fulfill the contract. Mm -hmm. Also, we do have several eyewitness accounts and potentially if, you know, Perry wants to do this, actual memory of seeing these people there in this place that she can use to, you know, provide like video evidence mm -hmm. of stuff that was going down and the corpse of a dead conspirator. It makes a fairly strong case. So I think it might be enough, at least to say, you hired us to do a job. Here it is. We did the job. And here is the evidence that we were able to accrue. Two, I feel like if it isn't, we're not getting a chance to get anything else because Oriana made that call on the way back without telling anybody. And I'm pretty sure we're walking into a big old meeting of, well, it's time to turn in your work. <laughs> I know you all get back to Oriana's place, like ready to go to sleep. And there's mm -hmm. a bunch of guards. He's like, well, <laughs> let's yeah. be brief. <laughs> Everybody that's involved is going to just be standing there waiting for us like, well, you called, here we are. Now give us all the information you have. And then Quinn's just gonna be like, mother fuck. <laughs> so <I did laughs> Not even five that? minutes to gather or like to gather our thoughts or get some yeah. tea and biscuits or something. Just like, nope, back to it. Mariana sends out like the, the Zoom invite to the meeting like two minutes before the meeting starts. <laughs> and she's like, wait, this was supposed to be in your calendar. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, you my last week. No, you didn't. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm getting used to office work again. Yep. Uh, lovely. Um, so that will bring us to our topic for the day. I had so many questions for Paul Tiny. It's okay next week. Um, that will bring us to our topic for today. So it's getting up to Halloween season. Um, so we're going to talk about zombies and ghosts, and skeletons, and ghouls, and vampires, and necromancy, um, and the undead. So that's always a fun time. I'm a big fan of necromancy and dead bodies in general in D&D. I'm &D. um, well, glad you clarified that at the end there. <laughs> to clarify, just, just you know, we said, we said some weird stuff in this episode. Yes. Um, yeah. Legally satire is fine. <laughs> oh, God. Necromancy and dead bodies. Don't I take us at our word. 
Don't yeah, see, and had that been the end of sentence, I'd be like, truth, I have several follow-up questions. Yeah. Also, I don't want you to answer any of my follow-up questions. Well, guess what? I'm not the one being questioned today. It is you. Um, cool. And sorry. Uh, so first question is, do you think necromancy is like automatically dark magic? No, because if you look at the definition for necromancy, as far as like the school of magic, I mean, sure, creating a corpse army is in there, but so is like resurrection and revivify and literally any healing spell. Like there's no separate school for any of that. So like it can't be all evil because there is so much other stuff that's done with it. I will say healing spells used to be necromancy. They are now evocation. So they're no okay. longer uh, considered okay. necromancy. Yep. Just the, just raising raising someone from the dead is oh that is true necromancy. yeah i think they changed oh, that really because I like that. yeah i yeah i think the reason they changed that was because like a lot of campaigns like played off of the like you know there's a stigma to necromancy and yeah. healing though dealing with like um uh the nature of like you gaining uh like your constitution back or whatever mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. that's not necessarily like coming from a school of like of necromantic energy like mm -hmm. i think that that's where they were like coming from it is is mm -hmm. like raising someone from the dead resurrecting them whether it be to use them for a, a nefarious purpose or mm -hmm. to save a friend uh that is always going to be necromantic like that requires that kind of right. energy to bring someone back but to heal someone's wounds that kind of seems a little bit strange especially like you know, if druids are using like nature-based healing and stuff like that, it's weird mm -hmm. to put them in the school of necromancy. So I think that's right. the mindset around it. Um, that makes sense if it but, is. And but yeah, for, I, I also that, agree yeah. with with Chad. Like, there's a stigma of necromancy, and it really depends on the world that you're playing in and where your character comes from. But I think, like anything, you could have an evil purpose for for regular magic mm -hmm. you know <laughs> if you power word kill someone like what's the difference between power word killing them and raising a couple of skeletons and having the skeletons kill them like you're still mm -hmm. doing a bad thing or there's is the same thing as kill necromancy though it is not is it no i thought it i think it it's like not. invocation or something in preparation for this episode i pulled up on D, &D beyond the actual list of necromancy spells yeah, and not. elected to read it thoroughly but i just looked it over for yeah. power when and kill you end up it with a zombie there. you end up with a zombie no though. that's that's finger of death where it's like you just say one word and the person just drops dead right um, okay, but but yeah, yeah no no so that's all i'm saying is is like i, I think like necromancy if you have a, a necromancer who's you know raising the undead to help fight and save people are they really mm -hmm. that evil i mean they're they're reusing the bones if bones are not doing anything anyways yeah. right and also speaking of someone who has played through all of the diablo games at this point and has played a necromancer in two and three mm -hmm. that is a character who is there using the bodies of the dead to make sure a greater evil does not arise and not doing it with any kind of malice or mm -hmm. any intent on desecration or anything else it's just this is where i am going to use the bodies of those i have slain in defense of the world to slay others that are trying to do great harm so, I mean, it's all how you, it's, I suppose it's just oh, all how you use it. It's like tools. 
Yeah, let's yeah, there you go. Per, again, perspective, right? Everything's mm -hmm. perspective. Yeah, use the tools there in front of you. Sometimes those tools are bones. Um, <laughs> or flesh. <laughs> or flesh. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of sad they changed that, though, because, like, thematically, I liked the fact that, like, healing and necromancy were two sides of the same coin. Wouldn't it be interesting if, like, healing was taboo in a D&D campaign, like magical healing? Oh, wait, has Chaz frozen? <clears throat> yep. I hope his power it. didn't go out. It's just going to be me and Yusser, honey. Hey. Oh, oh no, hold there, on. Here's he's back. Yeah, um, my internet connection went all I mean, it, yeah, it, would be, it would be interesting, I think, mm -hmm. if um, if healing uh, was. But I think that that would be difficult. Because, like, if you think about just in general, like, real mm -hmm. life, right? I mean, when you go to the doctor and you get, like, antibiotics and stuff like that, like, we don't consider that, like, a nefarious, like, taboo. I mean, some people super do. Yeah, okay. I guess, like, the anti-medical, <laughs> anti like, facts mm -hmm. people. But, like, but what I'm saying is, is, like, the general populace, like, if we want to extend life beyond, like, your first illness kills you and that's mm -hmm. it, that's all you get is, like, you better fucking not get a cold or like cut yourself on something yeah. and get even a, an inch of bacteria in it and get it infected because otherwise, sorry, you're dying. Um, yeah. Like I, yeah. I think, I think, I, I think that that makes it hard. Um, uh, and that makes it, I mean, that makes the stakes worse than actual real life. Uh, if it was like, you know, Oh, you're like, you have to hide your healing someone in battle, you know? Um, because I think that'd be really interesting. It, it would um, be. I, th I don't think you'd. I don't think I'd played in a D and D setting mm -hmm. though. I think like D and D is too combat heavy and mm -hmm. too required of like you to use resources and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I I think it would make more sense in like a uh, like a World of Darkness type game or something like that. Yeah. Maybe. Or um, actually, I know a thing that would work really well because if you use something mm -hmm. like uh, Monster of the Week, one of the power by by the Apocalypse games. You're just normal people for the most part who are hunting monsters and doing all sorts of crazy shit. But one of the things you can do is you can be someone that knows how to use magic and yeah. like having a person in normal earth that is suddenly able to heal and knit wounds back together. That person runs the risk of being stoned by crazed villagers in Daytona, you know, like by the government. Or that too, like that's and that's the thing, like in that kind of a setting where you're just putting something that weird and fantastical that cannot happen into that setting, then it would make sense. But for for something like D and D, like you're saying, because it, a lot of it does focus on combat and hit points and whatnot, the inability to heal without some sort of backlash would be intense. I that's the only thing I can think to describe it. I will defend my idea and say that you're not always fighting in the middle of a village. Oftentimes you can be a little bit sneaky about it. Um, I think it would True. add it would add a interesting mechanic to the game overall, having to like hide your um, magic. <laughs> I agree. As a DM, you'd probably have to run it like specific, like in specific yeah, situations yeah, yeah. to help mm -hmm. the players out a little bit. And it would be like yeah, it would be like a, a real difficult conundrum for like someone who's playing, say, like a cleric or something like that, mm -hmm. where they're like, they're, they believe well, in can't what, what they're doing is right. And yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, you could always do that. You could always change the school as a DM. By the way, anyone mm -hmm. who wants to do this, if that's the type of campaign you want to run, you can always change the school of, of magic for any spell you want. It's your game. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Well, just guidelines. Um, so actually, Chad, that list you looked up is useless. It means nothing. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> Lordy. Okay. Um, so in your guys' like homebrew games, do you, we, we already know the answer for this first mm -hmm. variety, but do you tend to like incorporate the undead as like a regular part of gameplay or is that like an every once in a while thing? Never. Um, I mean, I have what has grown out of a Curse of Strahd campaign that I'm running right now. So mm -hmm. the undead were at one point a pretty huge part of it because, you know, Barovia, it's chock full of walking corpses. And there are some skeletons. Yeah, the, there be skeletons and such. But, you know, once everybody gets out of that area, then the undead just sort of like don't come up as much. And I think it really depends on how they're going to be used because like just to use an example i'm not a huge fan of like zombie movies and tv shows mm -hmm. overall as a as a genre because i feel like the whole idea of walking army of corpses hell bent on destroying everything because they're just mindless zombies okay we've seen that all before it then just turns into how can you use this thing to make a point about something else like you know the walking dead is a good example because it's less about the zombies and more about this is the human condition in an apocalypse you could replace the zombies with anything and it would still mean the same thing of this is what happens when humanity turns on humanity and is pushed to the brink of its own destruction so using undead as a plot device to make something more would be basically what you'd be going for instead of just well now you're gonna have to fight this lich and his army of zombies and skeletons and flesh golems and have fun kids that was my campaign um and it's I a mean, perfectly valid way to do but liches i think are a little bit different because they're like a lot more like this intel like they're not the traditional Yeah, liches are a villain same yeah. with mm -hmm. vampire like vampires they're not the traditional and also vampires don't necessarily employ skeletons and zombies yeah. necessarily like like they might be employing humans like who are mm -hmm. who worship them or whatever same with like liches and stuff like that mm -hmm. i i generally actually don't like to use uh the undead um mm -hmm. for like what i've been using it for i had to tie it in because uh khalil made baltaim's backstory and they got kidnapped by a bunch of like skeletons and zombies mm -hmm. that, that were attacked and i was like okay well i have to make this make sense in, in some way um just too but i generally do like using um like ghosts and mm -hmm. and this is another reason because there are a lot of undead creatures that are like low cr um that can still mess shit up mm -hmm. for like like low level even mid medium level parties um if you just don't save well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like one um, ghost gets into a party without someone that can do turn on dead. Well, you saw what that did. Yeah, I mean, like the possession and everything like that. Can, like, exactly. TPK, TPK group. But, but yeah, um, but I what I do like them for is like, if you're playing like for a bit, like uh, I had a, uh, like I've used like Banshees before and mm -hmm. it mo mostly is about the story behind like how they became, mm -hmm. they became, uh, or like a ghost. Like uh, the the idea that a ghost is haunting something is because they've left some purpose unfulfilled. 
And it's like using that to create less of like an adversary, but more of something for the players to interact with and try to make right or help. Um, and so I like using undead in that perspective because like, like Chad said, like just the, like a bunch of skeletons coming to attack you mindlessly is like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. That, that can, yeah, sure. You can make a combat around that, but, but what are the like skeletons a, a metaphor for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, but yeah, like, I like, oh boy, I like a bunch of skeletons. Undead, I can get that by playing castle. Yeah, undead in that way where it's like more of like a, a game of, of investigation and understanding mm-hmm. of like, why is this mm-hmm. thing here? Like it should. Yeah. Yeah, and actually that brings up something that I actually did do once uh, because you mentioned Banshees and I actually used something where it was like the the first adventure I had when I was running a homebrew campaign a while back. And Mm -hmm. the idea was just having people investigate this house where some folks had gone missing. And what it was is I basically made a haunted house where the all of the staff had been slaughtered by the woman that owned said house because she was this like high noble born elf who was just at a place where she was just desperate to get married because that is what society demanded of her tried to do something with some sort of love potion failed miserably and then decided well i just have to bur- i have to burn it all down and destroy Take everything everyone with me yeah pretty much yeah like she just completely snaps goes and annihilates her entire staff they all become ghosts that are haunting the place because they have unfinished business of the fact that the woman that murdered them is now a banshee who is still around because she was cursed building in that last paycheck too yeah, yeah it was yeah. the same with um gotta wait the, on the severance the, the druid and dehana right like it, they, mm-hmm. i didn't have you fighting a whole bunch of skeletons and zombies it was the story of like how did she mm-hmm. get this way and what was the connection of her to this town and why she was doing what she was doing and i find like that's a lot more interesting than like just like throwing a bunch of zombies and mm-hmm. skeletons at something mm-hmm. so. yeah it kind of goes back to the thing I was saying earlier is, you know, like, okay, great. Horde of zombies. Sure. Who cares about the horde of zombies? What I want to know is what is it that is putting them there? What are, what is it that is making this a problem? Why are the zombies? Yeah. What is their motivation? What does it all mean? Why uh, brain yeah. in the jar? Why? <laughs> Why? Oh, brain in the jar. Uh, oh, I still jar. hate you, brain in the jar. <laughs> but why examine yeah. that feeling examine that brain <laughs> oh, <laughs> lovely um so kind of related question uh how can you like how can you incorporate like necromancy into your world building because i feel kind of like asking yourself how taboo necromancy is in your world is one of the first questions you ask kind of when you're um designing a whole world from whole cloth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i mean i feel like the it is a question you have to ask as far as just like the certain types of necromancy. Like, is, is it going to be okay if someone just comes waltzing through town with their zombie friends that they just happen to have resurrected from mm-hmm. the corpses of bandits that tried to accost them that one time? And you know, is that is that going to raise eyebrows? Also, is that going to raise the ire of the local law enforcement? Will the constabulary become involved? Yeah, possibly. What are the zoning laws for zombies in your town? <laughs> <laughs> are they livestock? You have to have a permit to have them, maybe. <laughs> is it livestock who is not live? Is it dead stock? The dead stock. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think the other thing around um like necromancy, uh so like my world's very different and and 
there's only one person really who's like kind of being told like if there's undead you got to deal with it and that's mm. that's Baltaim because he's uh-huh. he's uh associated with the Raven Queen and Raven Queen finds uh, the undead are an affront to the natural cycle of life mm-hmm. um what that means well, I guess we'll find out but but my but I think it's interesting because I think the one thing that also makes necromancy kind of and it's less necromancy itself it's more just like raising uh, like creating undead um, mm-hmm. and like using it. And I think the the reasoning is, and it's very similar to uh, like bringing forth a demon or something like that, is I believe with the spell, if you lose concentration, they can actually, you can actually lose your control yeah. over them, which then mm-hmm. means they're going to go and like eat people and, and attack people well, and potentially attack you. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think that that's the main worry about, most necromancy uh in terms of like taboos because like when you talk about like things like chill touch or um Mm -hmm. ray of enfeeblement or something like that people don't even really associate like those are necromantic spells but people don't even really think of it in that way but when you say i'm gonna raise these two skeletons here i think it's more around the association of are you going to be able to control those Mm -hmm. and if you can't what does that mean and i think that that's where like the stigma um comes in more so than mm-hmm. just with the school itself um and that's just like naturally pervaded things but i think that that's that's also like the interesting question because do, does that same attitude uh like pervade your world if someone summons an elemental or if someone mm-hmm. summons a face spirit um and because yeah sure face spirits are ne- not necessarily evil but they're very chaotic and they can cause a lot mm-hmm. of problems uh, if you lose control of them so it's like mm-hmm. I, I think it's a very interesting sort of understanding of rather than it being necromancy it more being summoning something not of this world and not really having a contingency plan if mm-hmm. things go to shit um and then they're you know they're running amok and you've kind of and of course a lot of things of this world don't necessarily know how to deal with those you know we don't have the tools to to handle those kinds of creatures so so i think that's more like at least in my world that's mm-hmm. the more interesting aspect. It's less like, oh, necromancy bad, and more, are you sure you understand the contract that you're making here uh-huh. when you perform the mm-hmm. spell? To cause problems, maybe. Um, awesome. So, do you guys, so are sort of related to the first question, um, are the undead necessarily always evil? Because you do have some types that are intelligent. I would say not necessarily, especially considering the fact that as of Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, mm-hmm. you can be half a vampire as an actual player character. And that alone means, no, the undead can't always be evil. Because if you're opening that up to say that a player can inhabit a character who is, you know, essentially partially undead, mm-hmm. then nothing is going to be black and white with that anymore also there is you know something about born too like reborn where you like also are are part undead like you partially yeah you're partially undead because of like some sort of kind of endless reincarnation cycle yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but that's and that's another good example too like with those things and also the fact that just because something is a vampire or something is a lich or what have you doesn't necessarily mean that they are the big bad of the entire campaign it just means Mm -hmm. that they are 
they are whatever that class of thing is. They are that stat block in a monster manual, but beyond that, what are they? So I don't think they're not always going to be evil because it's too limiting to say, yes, it's always evil. Like I remember in a home game, you're familiar with this, where we met a beholder who instead of being this horrible, evil, crazy monster was a delightful subterranean gardener and just such a sweet creature. Hello to my beloved. What was mm-hmm. his name? Raven. Oh, Randall. 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 Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. Like, I don't think undead. I mean, I think mindless undead are evil because they are, they are. Uh, they're a ravening horde. Well, yeah, they're they're guided by their urges, and their only mm-hmm. urge is either to destroy or to feed, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think, like, when it comes to, like, for instance, like Lich, I think they're they're they they're like normal alignment is like neutral evil maybe um yes yeah i think so but i think like that's also given to them because like again perspective wise like most people think well okay this person wanted immortality traded their soul for it also had to do some pretty awful things in order to create a phylactery and then make themselves this way but at the same time i don't think like I, i think there's like we often talk about like does one evil act make you just blanket blanket you with the the like the evil moniker? Because mm-hmm. I think like probably all of us in life have done things like morally where we were like, this was probably I should probably shouldn't have done this. Mm-hmm. Um, but does that make you an evil person just in general? I don't think so. And so I think like that's the other cool thing about any kind of monster, um, and that's the cool thing about like D and D and and playing with your characters is uh or playing with your players is like giving them opportunities to interact with these creatures in ways mm-hmm. that they wouldn't normally expect like there was that ghost in the the mansion that they went into that was literally just fooling around with them uh, mm-hmm. and ended up joking with them and then leaving them alone and just was like get mm-hmm. out of my library i don't want you here anymore mm-hmm. um but wasn't, yeah but wasn't actively like really trying to mm-hmm. harm them um mm-hmm. you know and and i think like you can i think you can play with that you know, you can play. I mean, even in your game when we played, like the lich was like, it was cu- trying to decide like who's the lesser of all the evils, and he mm-hmm. had some valid points as to like why he was doing what he was doing. Um, you know, like there was some awful stuff that like the humans had done, and it was like, okay, well, yeah, I can't necessarily just blanket you with like you're you're just a horrible, terrible person. I mean, a lot of the stuff that he did was terrible, but yeah, but yeah, I think I and I think that those nuances is what makes like a story or any kind of like like villain or character interesting is because the players have to weigh honestly like is this the greatest like is this a worthwhile use of my time is this really the greatest mm-hmm. evil are they the thing that i really have to worry about most in this world or are they just kind of not a great person but honestly mm-hmm. they're over here doing their own thing and they're not going to bother anyone so I, mm-hmm. I you know to go and waste my time killing them when like this dragon he- over here is like devouring women and children and breathing yeah. fire all over the nation. I probably yeah. more immediate issue. Yeah. 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 This is higher on the to-do list. A bit higher. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say that Lish was evil, but he was also a politician. So they're all evil. No, he was. Um, yeah, he was evil. Yeah. I, I know that. But I don't think the king was that great a person either. And the, no, no, the chick good. was a fucking bitch. I hated her. She was so. a bitch, but she was the best of them. Yeah, she was. <laughs> 
Lordy. Uh, that was a fun campaign. Anyway, um, although if you guys want to know some cool lich lore, uh, I like liches a lot. Um, there's actually, I'm not sure what um what this is not in 5e, but it's in one of the um compendiums of whatevers. Um, yeah, but there's a special kind of lich uh, called a Bale Norn, which is specifically an elvish lich, um, which is created to guard a lineage. So it's it's an uh, it's a not evil lich, essentially. Mm. I thought that's some really cool uh, little lich lore for all of you. Dope. Um, yeah, uh, so actually uh brings us pretty fluidly into our next question which is of all the undead creatures what's your favorite mind the lich oh yeah i can see that hmm. i think i have to go <clears throat> with mm, i don't know for me it's kind of a, a tie actually with lich or vampire mm -hmm. because there's a lot that you can do with either one and yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of narrative versatility in there. You know, like with a lich, it turns into why are they what they are? What do they want out of being what they are? And are they the type of creature that is going to burn the world down to get what they want, or is it something harmless, or what have you? And then with the vampires it's basically the same thing how did they become whatever they became and is that going to cause any kind of problem but there's there's a lot when you just you put those things on the table and then you've got a whole thing you've got to build up to make it make sense for why they're there it's like the the reason the whole um ravenloft setting was made to exist in the first place is because mm -hmm. people were playing DD and you round the corner and there's a vampire and they're like that makes no sense why is the vampire there? And then they wrote out the entirety of Ravenloft to give this one is vampire, vampire land, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> You're in that it, country. It's vampires are us. Welcome. Um, but they, they wrote out the whole thing. Just make sure it made sense. And that's the thing. is like you have mm -hmm. to, it, it gives you a challenge of build the narrative to make it make sense for why is this thing here and what are you supposed to do about it? Um. In Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, I have not been able to use it yet. And I, I you have to have the right thing mm -hmm. for it. But there is a creature, a uh, high CR, called a Nightwalker. And it is literally the embodiment of um, the creature from um, uh, the end of Princess Mononoke. Uh, when the forest spirit Ooh. kind of becomes that giant thing. It's It's got the same sense of feel. Basically, like... It, yeah. it spreads this aura of destruction every step it takes um, mm -hmm. and um, and basically like just sucks the life from everything around it. Um, and uh, and it's just it's just basically anti-life and negative energy in a huge creature, mm -hmm. which is what that forest spirit was when, after they cut off the head. It was just this negative being that was encompassing everything. And it actually kind of looks like the art that they've used mm -hmm. kind of makes it, it does, look actually. like um, that spirit. And I I want to use it so bad, but I-, I That's like, really cool. Yeah, it's really, really super interesting. I don't know, like you would really need uh, a, a good reason to uh, mm -hmm. to use it, um, but but I would love that because I, I love Princess Mononoke and I love that the understanding of that and like so having good. that come out of maybe something positive like what mm -hmm. happened in Princess Mononoke would be like a really cool transition for the, the 
player characters to potentially have to deal with. And yeah, that's one of my, like, ever since I saw that, that's like become like my favorite undead creature that I've never been able to use and can't find a good reason for. But I always look at it and I'm like, like so much someday yeah maybe maybe the next one shot we do maybe, <laughs> it can be yeah. like a high level one we'll it has to be night walker yeah mm -hmm. that'd be crazy uh next halloween not this halloween um what were we just gonna say that's forgotten um oh yeah so we've like time for one more question sure. so do you guys think that you like need a source of holy magic to fight the undead or can you just get by with a bunch of fire like i mean it just sort of depends on mm -hmm. what specific undead thing you're fighting if you're fighting a vampire then kind of yeah because there's certain shit that you have to be able to lock down that you can only do with running water or radiant energy and sunlight and such so in that case yeah maybe otherwise not so much the it just turns into what is the thing that you're trying to put back in the ground and how you need to go about doing it? And I don't think so. I mean, I think obviously like people associate the, the two things and it obviously makes it easier because there are a lot of like undead things that are like um, uh, vulnerable or their healing, the doesn't, ha their healing yeah. doesn't happen if they, if they are hit with radiant energy and stuff like that. But I don't think like you absolutely need it. You, if you don't have it, it might make the fight a little bit longer, or a little bit tougher. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not like a necessity. Um, but I think it, I think it adds like an interesting perspective for characters. Like even if you're playing like I don't know, like a party of like no divine and just like fighter, you know, uh, a druid, a bard, and a sorcerer mm -hmm. or something like that, and none of them have anything divine. I think it gives them a cool opportunity to like use their like um media knowledge to like mm -hmm. go grab bother bottles of holy water and like throw it in the fight just to like <laughs> add that like radiant burn so that they don't get a chance to uh you know heal back for that turn and stuff like that i think it adds like actual actually like cool mechanics that you could use mm -hmm. to uh to make for fun stuff um you know like breaking out a window to cause sunlight to come in and like burn mm -hmm. the vampire and stuff like that you know yeah everything's an opportunity for cool mechanics mm -hmm. um anyway and that is our time for tonight thank you chad for being on thank you serenity for filling in um hopefully we'll be able to get khalil back on soon so we can actually talk about all the cool stuff that happened to him he has um, so many questions to answer so many questions to answer all of them sure. are mine um, sure his power went out uh-huh a likely story you dodged <laughs> the truth this time you montbank uh, can't escape it um anyways thank you everyone who is watching currently everyone who will watch um over the coming week there are usually a few of you um thank you for tuning in and make sure to tune in on friday we've got some more pretty pivotal stuff as Rennie mentioned this is kind of a um a fulcrum point in the in the storyline so everything the characters do is super super important no pressure um <laughs> <laughs> awesome um check out please i have a whole list of stuff that you should definitely check out check out our store we have cool t-shirts and mugs and cool shit and you should definitely go look check out our twitter are we still doing art crawl is that done yep. yes no we're, it's yeah, still happening for the, for the very very long and foreseeable future because there's a lot of art to get through yeah there's a lot we of do. art and 
a lot of it's really cool. So you should like genuinely please check it out. These are amazingly talented artists who have drawn us art for our little stream and we're so grateful to them and we want everyone to see what they've done. Um, is look at what you've done in a good way. Um, <laughs> please check out our Discord. We post memes and stuff and you can come talk to us and ask questions and things. Check out our Patreon. We've got behind the scenes stuff and we've got cosplay photos and you can ask questions on there too. And I'll have to ask them on stream. Please take advantage of that. Um, so I have to write list questions, make my job easier um, <laughs> and satisfy your curiosity. Um, well, if you check out our YouTube, we have the whole backlog of all of our episodes for all of our shows there. Check out our um, sound YouTube. <laughs> What's that called? Our, oh, our uh, anchor uh, uh, podcast. Our podcast. Thank you, Chad. Um, the thing I Chad, work so hard on. This is Chad's baby. <laughs> our sound YouTube. Job. I love that. That's that's now what podcast is going to be called for now. <laughs> sound YouTube. You mm -hmm. know, it's like a video, but it's just sound. Yeah, um, I love it completely foreign to us streaming it's animals. like a tv show but you shut off the picture yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's old-fashioned radio play and i said that out chad was very hard on it and it's great um <laughs> and i believe that's it thank you to sunbird and lady meows who have done a great job on our music and our title card we love them and it's served as well for this past um 58 episodes of this show and <laughs> to check it real quick anyway good night i've rambled on long enough i'm sure you all need to eat or go to bed or get up it depends on where you are um please have a great evening and thank you for tuning in good night bye bye